Hello, and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique wellbeing solutions. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Anne Woodburn. Anne has a huge passion for serving and minding others through her work as a counsellor and a psychotherapist. And Anne, thank you so much for talking with me today. Pleasure, Brian. Thank you for asking. Thanks, Anne. And Anne, can you start off just by telling me a bit about yourself and how you got to here? Yes, certainly. Uh, I suppose, Brian, I am a student uh, formerly of UCD, the Faculty of Medicine in UCD there. I progressed with a master's in counselling and psychotherapy. So a couple of years to roll forwards in relation to that. I opened a practice then in Castle Street in Enniscorthy and newly opened practice in a little village called Oilgate. And uh, looking forward to to, to uh, getting stuck into that. God knows uh, the appointments are, are building up and uh, a lot of help uh, required out there, which I'm glad to, to be able to assist. Absolutely. And especially in the last kind of, I suppose, kind of nearly year and a half, a uh, huge you know, huge strain on everybody. Absolutely. Uh, when you when you put people, confine people, you know, going back even in English literature, you know, we're always told that, you know, no man is an island. We're all social beings. And it's also true. And when people are become isolated, while our core is around us, uh, you know, uh, let it be our direct family, um, but when when we become isolated for whatever reason, it doesn't sit well with us. Yeah, on every level. Mm, absolutely, you know, yeah. support uh, uh, being reduced to Skype sessions. Uh, it, it it you know it's it, it's not down to a particular age generation. It, it's not specific. Uh, when we're isolated, it poses so many problems, and of course, as you say. COVID has created so much of that and indeed there's the reverse of that too when you put people that are supposed to be our nearest and dearest into the one room and confine them uh, it brings all the problems to the surface there's nowhere to run nowhere to hide yes yes and I heard like I heard a a saying off a friend of mine who's also a therapist many years Mm -hmm. ago and she said there's more Simpsons out there than Waltons. Absolutely. I mean, do the Waltons exist other than on television? I don't think they exist, Anne. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. No. So, Anne, thanks for sharing that with me. And can you tell me now a, a little bit more about how you mind others kind of day to day? Yes, I suppose the the... The objective of the profession is that you're a listening ear there. You provide a space for people to come in and tell you what's happening in their life. It's always very subjective. Uh, There's no two individuals the same, uh, believe it or not. And uh, it ranges from, from work problems right through to familial problems, right through to stresses, ordinary stresses of life, grief, all those things. So you have to be uh, open. Uh, you have to be willing to accept. Once you hear a particular word, uh, a trigger word, grief, uh, well, or bereavement, 
it, people deal with things in different ways, Brian, as you know well. And just because one person deals with it in one way doesn't necessarily mean that the other person is going to, to deal with it exactly the same. So um, looking after people, it's providing that space for them to tell you what is actually going on in their life. How They're obviously not coping with it. They're looking for coordinates. They're looking for direction um, and to assist them in finding that path. And the beauty of talk therapy um, is that as the person is speaking, we're cleverer than we realize. While you'll hear the helplessness in their voice, um, while they're talking, believe it or not, they're actually formulating uh, a path for them to navigate through it. And sometimes all they need is prompting, uh, as I say, a few coordinates, a bit of direction, and making them feel they're okay about it. You know, it's back to that old phrase, Brian, what happens to us in life is 10%. Uh, how we deal with it is 90%. Yeah. If, if we deal with it, if we can cope with it ourselves, um, we're halfway there. Um, I suppose the majority of people, uh, you know, we, we're a bit like the onion layer. Uh, we have so many layers to our lives, uh, so many facets to our lives. We have our professional life. We have our social life. We have our familial life, uh, and even those grow legs. Um, I suppose when there's sometimes an overinvestment in one or the other. So, for example, the person who is who has had to retire from work and is not dealing with that very well is uh, fundamentally somebody whose work was all-encompassing, and they forgot the social layer. They forgot the familial layer. Uh, and it, it works. There's an overinvestment maybe in a family. They've forgotten themselves even. You know, even to ask somebody, name five things that you, you love doing. Name three things. And they struggle. I've forgotten what I used to love doing. So looking after that person, reestablishing their own uh, anchor in the world, uh, helping them to get through that. And once that's established, everything else usually falls into place. Yeah, I love that. And that sounds that sounds amazing. And it's so true. Like I talk to patients and my own clients about the fact that you can't pour from an empty cup. Correct. Absolutely. And uh, you're a medical practitioner. You come from a medical background, Brian. Uh, you know that if you're running on empty, you're no good to anybody else. I once saw um, it was a picture and you know what they say, a picture tells a thousand words. It was a mother and a child, a young child sitting in an airplane. And uh, obviously there was problems and the oxygen masks were dropped from the, the overhead. And uh, the temptation is to put the child's mask on first to protect the child. But if we were to analyze it and, and think about it, um, you know, if something happens to me, uh, uh, who's going to look after the child in, in, at a later stage? Yes. So you put your own mask on first, then you see to other people. Only then can you be beneficial to other people. Yeah. Exactly. But that you know yourself. And again, and even the airline, the air hostesses tell you that. 
to put yeah. your own mask on first. So it's kind of internationally accepted that that's what you do in an airplane. But in life, people kind of aren't as quick to put their own mask on and do their own self-care. No, and it's the same. There was a there was a guy. Uh, his name was Jacques Lacan. He was a he was a famous psychiatrist. He gave up psychiatry work, believe it or not, for to work psychotherapeutically. And um, he worked in that famous hospital, the Spalpetiere in Paris. And if I was to give any advice to anybody when they come in to me, uh, you know, it's it's he coined a term called an Italian term called Kvoi. Now, now of course, you don't go around saying this Kvoi. What what does it mean? Uh, well, it means what is the other person for me? But essentially, to identify what the other person is for me, know thyself. You have to know yourself. Uh, what you are, our limitations, uh, our achievements, of course, very important. Um, but in navigating life, people will say to you, there is nothing more disappointing than other people. But back to this term, Kvoi. What is the person for me? Well, I might be a son. He might be my son. He might be my daughter. Uh, he might be a friend. And this needs to be revisited and questioned on a regular basis. If we're disappointed by people, why are we disappointed? Had we some idealized version of what the person was for us? Or indeed, do I end up being used by the person? But he's... His philosophy on it was that on meeting the person and establishing a relationship, asking yourself, Kvoi, what are they for me? Are they my partner? Are they my lover? Are they my husband? Are they my friend? Well, what constitutes a friend? Asking the phrase Kvoi, you will hear it automatically. Uh, can I have a loan of money? Can you give me the lift? Um, and he says it puts us on guard, that we it's actually a defense uh, mechanism that we engage navigating life. Because I suppose what comes to mind, Dan, for me is, let's say, for people to have boundaries. Because they say if you're a giver... With, mm -hmm. no, with no boundaries, takers certainly don't have boundaries. So, right. you know, if you're a giver, you need to have a, a, a high boundary because takers don't have a boundary. So is that what you mean about being on guard? Absolutely. Um, yes. Uh, and not, not everybody ha are, are conscious of boundaries or indeed the need for to create those boundaries. Uh, we don't get up in the morning saying, I'm going to meet so-and-so now and I'm going to have this conversation with him and I'm going to ensure that there's boundaries there. And yeah. you're right. And and the majority of people are givers, you know. Um, so inevitably, if we're a, if we're a giver, uh, takers tend to orientate towards us. Yeah. And e essentially, we will be abused. Yeah. And it's funny, Anne, because in a lot of the podcasts that I've been doing um, about self-care and a, a, lot, a lot has come up about energy, kind of energy work and inner child, you know, that inner child piece. And all this comes from the inner child, isn't it? A, a lack mm -hmm. of boundaries. 
yes, the lack of boundaries. And the, also the, the child is a great analogy as well, because chi- children probably feel helpless and they're at the, the hands of somebody who's uh, who's important to them or they're on the receiving end um, and how we navigate that. But we are adults. We can create the boundaries. And it's not that anybody is going to take offense. It's just making sure that we look after ourselves uh, going forward. Absolutely. Because, again, someone that isn't used to creating boundaries feels they might offend because they're not used Anything. to it. It's, it's, it's not. It doesn't feel naturally to them. It doesn't feel exactly. natural. And, and would you believe it, Brian, the amount of relationships, let them be friendships, whatever they are, um, they continue with the person in full knowledge. They're fully conscious of the fact that this person is actually taking advantage, but they, they then find themselves in the position where they don't know how to deal with moving that relationship on for fear of guilt, yeah. uh, somebody saying something about them, um, all that. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that really valuable um you know, kind of, uh, kind of nuggets and advice with us. And can you tell me now how you mind you? Yes, it's uh, people, you know, think uh, normally, Brian, believe it or not, when people would say, would, would ask me, uh, what what is your profession? And I'd say psychotherapist and they go, kind of gets two reactions. The first reaction is you start hearing the problems or the friend who is in a difficult position. Uh, and then the other reaction is a bit like the, she's the local undertaker. Uh, I'm not talking to her because, uh, God, she can read my mind. But, uh, of course, I, I, I can't read anybody's mind uh, at all. And it, we're human at the end of the day. Uh, we, we deal with all life's events, ups and downs. Um, and, and then we go in and we're listening to, to other people's um, disappointments, um, all that. And uh, so what, how do you navigate that? Well, I, I think for me personally, it is about having clear boundaries. The reason I brought up Jacques Lacan is that once I know I step inside uh, the clinic uh, or the practice, that uh, this person is here uh, seeking help and the boundaries have to be there, not just in my professional life, but the boundaries have to be there in my personal, my social life, my familiar life. Um, uh, You know, people have an idolized version of families, all that. It's not all that is cracked up to be. So in navigating that, for me, uh, I I don't struggle all that much because of the clear boundaries. Uh, I know essentially, fundamentally, what's going to be right for me and what's not going to be right for me. And when meeting people, let it be socially, let it be uh, in the profession. Uh, once you have those clear boundaries, uh, you know your uh, your influence. You know how far your influence goes. And beyond that is asking too much of me. So if I can, in a social life, if it becomes uh, if it becomes more like uh, the problems are coming to me, uh, how do you deal with that? And there is that uh, uh, from the profession, you know, people think that, that the boundaries can be crossed 
I, I don't allow it to happen. So um, once the boundaries, I think that's fundamentally key. Uh, once the boundaries are there, I can be somebody's friend, but I'm not their therapist. Yeah. And vice versa. Um, I think going back to the layers, Ryan, I always try balance, I think, is a great, you know, you'd know more about this now than I would, but trying to strike the balance in life that we can designate a certain time to this, a certain time to the other, so that there isn't an overinvestment in any one thing. Should that one thing be taken from me, it would be detrimental. So trying to strike the balance, I know for me the garden is a great thing. I love riding horses. That's uh, That blows the cobwebs for me. And allowing myself the on-off time. But so taking care of me involves making sure that I have somebody to go to. You know, we spend, uh, we spend so much of the time ourselves, practically five years on the couch, um, sorting ourselves out. I, I, I don't know if that's, uh, uh, that's the end of it. I think it's a, that has to happen on a continuum of life. But for me as a practitioner, it's essential that I have somebody to speak to as well. So that helps me out. Beautiful, yeah. And again, I suppose uh, the, the big one from today is that, it's that piece around boundaries, isn't it? Like it's, it's so necessary, exactly. but yet it's so difficult for so many of us, including myself. And I, I, think, I think the boundaries, once, once you see somebody who, who comes into you and they haven't any idea of, what's appropriate boundaries or not. And it's always under the guise of Asher. Uh, he's a friend. I know him a long time. I know her a long time. I feel obliged. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, the obligation is detrimental to yourself. It's no good to anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you, Anne. And Anne, thank you so much for sharing with me how you mind others how, and how you mind you. And again, all those amazing bits of advice and nuggets and wisdom from you. Where can people find you, Anne? Uh, people can find me. The, the best way for to find me, Brian, is on the end of a phone. Um, and if, uh, if there's no answer, don't worry. I get back to him. The number is 86 and uh, as I said, new practice opened in Allgate and uh, looking forward to, to, to meeting the people and uh, getting those boundaries straight and clear and the, they won't know themselves after e that. Exactly. And I know you're on Facebook as well, Anne, aren't you? That's right, yes. I'm on Facebook under Anne Woodburn. Facebook.com and they'll reach me on that if they want to private message me. And sometimes I put up uh, little articles um, that somebody might find beneficial brilliant i've seen and i've seen those and they're amazing so and thank you so much for being so generous today and best and best of luck with everything in the future thank you very much say to yourself thank you so much for listening to mind you and i hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care Please like, subscribe and follow Mind You Podcast 
wherever you listen to it. And please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world. You can find me and mind you at Brian Barnes Wellbeing.